You got it. All right, you want the lights out now, Dan? Oh, uh, let's try it. Okay. You got your mic on? Okay, Mr. Bill asked me if I would do this. I wasn't sure if I was wanting to or not, but uh, I agreed to do it because I haven't had a chance to get up and teach in a while, and I like to begin by giving a test, and I'll uh, <laughs> post-test, and then when I get through, I'll give a, I mean, a pre-test and a post-test to just see what you've learned today. So, uh, you can take notes and uh, make sure and, and, and pay close attention, like my students used to pay. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be certainly inviting you to join us in the book of Acts, and we'll be on Sunday mornings, and I'm guessing with about 28 chapters, we'll probably be in the book of Acts still about this time next year. <laughs> but depends on if they do two at a time, or, or two every two weeks, or whatever. But, well, Mr. Bill and, and, and Dr. Hart will be bringing you a study from book of Acts. So we're basically going to be looking at a background and an overview of Acts and we're going to be looking primarily at Peter and Paul and Luke today as we study these areas. But before we get started, I spent a lot of time on the internet trying to find out that there is, there's so much information out there you can get the information overload. You also have to watch some of it and just see where it goes. But I, I saw this story that I thought might interest you and it's, it's from Acts, it's Acts 2.38. says, an elderly woman had just returned from her home of an evening of a religious service when she was startled by an intruder. As she caught the man in the act of robbing her home, she yelled, stop, Acts 2.38. If you read it, it's, it's turned from your sins. The burglar stopped dead in his tracks. A woman calmly called the police and explained what she had done. The officer came and I cuffed the man and asked the burglar, why did you just stand there? All the little old lady yelled was the scripture to you, uh, Acts 2.38, and he said, I thought she had an Acts in 2.38. So we, we have to be careful as to what we understand when we start looking at the Bible and, and reading into Acts. So. Hopefully nobody has an axe in 238s today and we'll be in good shape. Uh, today we take a quick look, a lot of information, the book of Acts in the New Testament is the fifth book, often called the Acts of the Apostles or simply Acts. It's an important book because of it, in understanding the Acts of the Apostles, most, mostly Paul and uh, Peter, after Jesus' ascension into heaven. Acts helps in understanding how we can be directed by the Holy Spirit and the role of Jesus' lessons in our lives. This is a story of the Christianity's beginning and how evangelism played a role in the spread of faith around the world. One of the biggest impacts of the book of Acts is that it gives us all hope, hope that we can be saved. Jerusalem at the time was primarily made up of Jews. It shows that Christ opened up salvation to all. The book reminds us that it was not just a chosen group of men that would spread God's word. It was believers that had been persecuted and had ran from persecution that brought the message to non-Jews. As Jesus had promised in John 16, verse 7, but very truly I tell you, 
It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him. He sent the Spirit to guide the apostles after he returned to heaven. Since this book frequently reminds us that the actions of the apostles was inspired and guided by God's Spirit. Acts of the Holy Spirit has also been suggested as a description for the book of Acts. In Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive a power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. In Acts 2 verses 1 through 4, And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. The outline of the book of Acts is broken down into five different areas that we'll look at. The geography of the book involves three key cities, Jerusalem, Antioch, and, and uh, Antioch of Samaria, and Rome. It's a story about three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. It, it records 18 prayer meetings, nine revivals, and 18 sermons. The first part of the book of Acts is about Peter, and the second part is about Paul. The twofold division is one of the simplest ways to divide the book of Acts, but the focus on the two men tends to cover up some important aspects of Luke's story. Peter's ministry and Paul's are not separate stories, and they are related to uh, each other, and they also overlap in several chapters in the uh, center of Acts. Acts is broken down, and, and we look at really chapters 1 through 12 uh, deals with Peter, it's the first 12 years of the Christian church. Uh, the section has been entitled from Jerusalem to Samaria and to Antioch. It contains the history of the growth of the church among the Jews by the ministry of Peter. Primarily the earlier uh, areas that the gospel spread to was the Jews other than in Jerusalem but in other parts. And that was primarily Peter's responsibility. In Acts 13 through 21, Paul's missionary journeys giving the history of the growth of the church among the Gentiles. Journey one is the church in transition. 13 through 28 has been called from Antioch to Rome. And then we look at a description of Paul uh, and his trip to Rome and the events that led to him being there. Others mentioned in the book of Acts, and there's a lot of them mentioned, and you certainly will be introduced to those as uh, Dr. Art and Mr. Bill teaches our lessons, but Peter, James, John, Stephen, Philip, Paul, Ananias, Barnabas, Silas, James, Cornelius, Timothy, Titus, Lydia, Luke, Apollos, Felix, Festus, and Agrippa. These are just a few that you will be studying about and learning about as we go through. And these are also discussed in the epistles as you continue to go through and and read the books that are written by Paul. So who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Luke. Authorship of the book of Acts is attributed to Dr. Luke. He was a Greek and the only Christian, a Gentile Christian writer of the New Testament. He was an educated man and he was learning the gospel in Colossians again 
that he was a physician. Luke was not one of the twelve disciples. Having recorded the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus on the Gospels, bearing his name, Luke now told of the works of the risen, ascended, and glorified Christ through his church. Having recorded the death and the, and the life was very, very much a part of the early beginnings that he began to teach. The book of Acts is also the history of the birth, the founding, and the spread of the church from Jerusalem to Rome. It also records the transition of the church from beginning among exclusively a Jewish institution becoming a Gentile and an international institution. The transition of Christianity from a Jewish religion into an international faith, the gospel of salvation is for all because Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Although Luke is not named in the book of Acts as a writer, he was accredited with authorship as early as the second century. In the latter chapters of Acts, we read that the first person plural narrative we indicated that he was present with Paul. We know that Luke was a faithful friend and traveling companion, and some believe that he was Paul's personal physician. And as, as you read and study, you can certainly understand that Paul needed a personal physician. Shipwrecked and stoned and imprisoned, he did not live a life of luxury uh, in his travels. He, he didn't travel with AAA or travel first class. <laughs> so he could certainly use some help. Uh, scriptures also indicate that Luke joined and left the ministry, missionary party on several occasions uh, at that, and that he uh, was accompanying Paul on his journey to Rome. Luke, in addition to being a historian, is also a Christian teacher, writing about his own faith. In the introduction of the first volume of history, he says that one of the purposes is to help readers understand the truthfulness of the Christian faith. Similarly, Luke has selected events in church history that help show Christian doctrine and practice. Luke also seems to have had a political objective too, to show that Christianity was not a threat to the Roman government. Although riots sometimes took place when the gospel was preached, Luke notes that the problems were caused by Jews or Greeks, but not Christian preachers. Christianity was rooted in Judaism, which was a legalistic religion. And legalistic is making sure that we dot all the I's and cross all of the T's more than we we're concerned with the message. The Oxford Bible Commentary observes the Jews didn't compartmentalize their religious faith in their daily lives. In fact, much of their daily life in the effort of the Jews and during Jesus' time was in fulfilling the meticulous details of the law. For the Jews, the law comprised not only of the Ten Commandments that Moses brought with him from Mount Sinai, but the highly detailed instructions from the biblical books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, those of you who are reading the Bible through this year and you're using the suggested format, you've now probably completed or should have Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when you get into reading a number of these chapters, it's just one ritual it's just one sacrifice. It's just one right after the other. Uh, we look at the festivals and the offerings and the uncleanlessness and the rules for sacrifices. And I often wonder when I read it, how big a herd you would have to have just to have enough cattle to do all the sacrifices. Uh, you know, it would take a pretty good group because they were constantly involved in this ritualistic forms of religion. 
We see that Roman officials repeatedly found Paul innocent of wrongdoing and they allowed the gospel uh, to continue to be spread. Uh, Acts was written to Theopolis, the Greek word meaning the one who loves God. Some historians believe that he were writing in general to those who love God. Other historians are not sure who this Theopolis mentioned in, in both Luke 1 verse 3 and in Acts 1 1 was although most likely he was a Roman and had an intense interest in the newly forming Christian religion. He could have been a Roman political leader since Paul addressed him as most honorable. Some writers believe that he could have been a benefactor and helped with Luke's expenses as he traveled with Paul. Peter's life before Christ. So now we have the first of the disciples being called and, and Peter may have been the most outspoken of the 12 apostles of Jesus uh, during his ministry on earth. He certainly became one of the boldest witnesses of, for the faith. His beginnings were certainly humble in origin. He was born about 1 BC and died sometime around uh, AD 67. He was a Galatian fisherman and his brother of Andrew. Fishermen at that time were gruff, unkept, vile, shabbily dressed, and often used vulgar language. They were full of vigor and had bolsterous tempers. Jesus calls his first disciples in Matthew, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Peter was the first one to preach on the day of Pentecost after the coming of the Holy Spirit. He was the first one to proclaim Christ to the Gentiles. Peter the apostle, uh, Peter the disciple is now Peter the apostle. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the meaning of the words apostle and uh, disciple are different. The Greek word for disciple literally means a student a believer or a follower, while the Greek word for apostle means a messenger or one sent out. A disciple is what most Christians are actually called today. An apostle is one sent forth in the sense of sent forth by God to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Meaning an apostle is someone who is sent uh, apart. The biblical de definition of apostle and the only one uh, during the, that particular time that were called apostles were those who had either known Jesus during his earth, earthly ministry like the apostles or having seen the risen Christ. We take a look right quick as we look into this particular area. This was Peter's ministry in the early days. Uh, he starts out in Jerusalem and he goes down to Judea and up to Samaria. And I'm looking, the only difference is only about 15 miles from Jerusalem down to Judah, Judea and about 20 up. We'd be very similar probably of going from here to Camden with maybe Kershaw being in the middle. And that's where he started and went out. And that was his ministry, Peter's ministry was to the Jews who were in that particular area. So he ministered to those in, in that area so the, the breakdown, we look at the church again. Uh, from the earlier again, it was purified. Uh, primarily, it was preached to the uh, Jewish religion. And it was, uh, again, Peter's ministry. 
The second part we'll look at another map a little bit later is Paul. And Paul begins to spread the ministry. And he goes much further around the world as he preaches the gospel. Anyone know how long it took before the gospel reached the United reached America? Well, we weren't founded for many, many years later. I read an article somewhere between the 16th and 17th centuries. So these folks had been 15, 1600 years preaching, and the gospel began to spread very small in the area we looked at in Jerusalem, and then out a little, and then it continued to go much further. Now we'll take a look at, at Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle. Uh, he was born in approximately AD 5, which was after Jesus' death, uh, in the city of Tarsus in Cilicia, in modern-day Turkey. He was born to a, a Jewish parents who possessed Roman citizenship. In about 10 AD, historians believe Saul's family moved to Jerusalem. The first two centuries, Roman citizenship was highly covered in prize, and Acts 22 tells of two ways of gaining this Roman citizenship. One was to become a citizen either by birth, or the second one was by buying the privilege. Paul's family and Paul's birth into a Jewish family occurred in the city of Tarsus, and that particular city was under Roman, and by being under Roman, he became a Roman citizen. Although a Jew, his birth in the city helped him, and, and, and a number of times we read through the Bible when he was persecuted by the Jews, how he asked to be tried by Roman courts because he was entitled to it because he was uh, a Jew. In Acts 22.3, he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus uh, of Sicily, but brought up in the city. I studied under Gamaliel, and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. Paul claims to have been educated at the feet, again, according to the matter of the strict Jewish laws of their father. Uh, this Gamaliel was, uh, first of all, he was a Jewish rabbi, and he was a leader in the Jewish Sanhedrin. This is when Paul began an in-depth study of the Jewish legalistic law. Uh, there are religions today that are far more legalistic, and some are legalistic in that they make up the rules and it's important that they're followed much more than anything else. And that's pretty much what they were dealing with. Uh, Paul was not one of the early disciples. He persecuted Christians. Luke tells us that Stephen's execution, uh, the executioners laid their garments at the feet of Saul in Acts 7, who was in full approval of the, mob, the mob's murderous actions. <coughs> However, when we look at Acts 9, Paul witnessed the resurrection. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. In Romans 1, verses 1 through 2, 12, we read, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. In Galatians, we read that after Paul's conversion, he disappeared into the desert for about three years, during which time the Holy Spirit instructed him in the ways of God. He emerged ready to communicate divine truth. Uh, and this is some information I picked up from a sermon, I guess, by Charles Stanley when I was flipping through the Internet. 
This is where we are now, and we start to take a look. We said it in the beginning, this is where Christianity began the spread down in Jerusalem, and it didn't go very far down to Judea. You can see right below it, and then we go up into Samaria and the other areas. The first missionary, Paul made four missionary journeys, uh, and you can see by looking at the map the difference. The first one is in, I don't know if you can see the colors well enough, the first one was in black. And that particular one was not very long, and yet it was too. The first one was about 1,400 miles. It took about 53 days, not including the time he spent at each location. Now, the travel at that time, you can see that he, he traveled, he left Antioch, he went out to Cyprus, to the island. So some of his travels on this missionary journey is by boat or by ship. And then he goes over into Listeria, he goes down to Derby, and he turns and reverses and comes back and goes back into Antioch. Uh, he's made uh, four of these trips. The second one spreads out much further. It's in the lighter color, which is very, very hard to, to follow. But the, the second trip was uh, about 3,050 miles. Took about 100 days. And the third trip was really uh, going back over some of the places that he had been before. And as you read and you study in the Acts and you study in the epistles, he talks about his hope to go back to some of these places where they've established a church. So they've gone back over these missionary trips. And then the fourth one is a long one. It starts out and it's in green. It goes out into, uh, first of all, it, it goes over into Myra, down into Crete, a couple stops, and then there's shipwreck, which you'll get, and then we go over into Sicily and wind up in Rome as part of it. Now, I was telling Mr. Bill, when I was at Wingate Junior College a long, long, long time ago, and it was a junior college and it was Baptist-affiliated, you had to take religion. You had to take Old Testament and New Testament. And I was not a very good student at all. I made straight C's, and I was happy. Yeah. And, and, and that was including in Bible but I can remember one of our final exams was a trace and I don't remember which one of the missionary journeys but we were to trace one of Paul's missionary journeys and what he accomplished at each I must have got a little of it right to wind up with a C but I'm sure I didn't get a lot of it and going back and, and looking at this lesson kind of reminds me a little bit of some of those areas also on this uh, first trip he went over into Ephesus. Well, when I had an opportunity a few years ago when I was in business to go to Ephesus. This area had been completely destroyed and was under mounds and mounds of dirt. And it wasn't re uh, uh, found until, I think in the 40s, somebody was plowing and they found a, a, a marble column and they started excavating it. And they were doing a, a lot of excavation, which is a lot more has been done. But we went to the Colosseum that uh, to the arena where they had their fights and where Paul uh, in one of his lessons said that he had an opportunity to go. Uh, we also went, out, I think, out to the island of Rhodes, which he made a stop at, and we also went into Athens and so many other areas. A lot of you get an opportunity to go into Israel. Uh, I'm past the age of travel, but when you get an opportunity, it brings back a lot of the Bible and you start to be able to relate to it uh, as you study more and more of the Bible uh, as time goes on. So when we look at it, we look at the fourth one, we look at from Rome and where Acts particularly ends at that time. It's estimated that the Apostle Paul traveled over 10,000 miles through Asia, 
uh, into, uh, from Africa to Asia and into Europe uh, in part of his travels. So this is the beginning of the spread of Christianity to the Gentiles. What are we mostly? I guess most of us in Europe are Gentiles. It hadn't been for the early missionaries and their early works, which were hard, but not gotten to America, which was a long, long time later. So what does this mean? What does it mean to us? First of all, God can do amazing things through ordinary people when he empowers them through his spirit. God essentially took a group of fishermen and used them to turn the world upside down in Acts. God took a Christian-hating murderer and changed him into the greatest Christian evangelist, the author of almost half of the books of the New Testament. God used persecution to cause the quickest expansion of a new faith in the history of the world. God can and does the same through us, changing our hearts, empowering us by the Holy Spirit, and giving us a passion to spread the gospel of the good news of salvation through Christ. If we try to accomplish these things on our own, in our own power, we will fail. Acts also reminds us of the importance of prayer. There is a reference to prayer 31 times in the book, uh, as we read and study. Prayer is presented before almost any significant event described by Luke. Miracles are also preceded by prayer. Decisions are preceded by prayer. While much of Acts is descriptive rather than prescriptive, this is the, uh, the practical way we can learn a lot about the power of prayer. And I asked a little bit a while ago about when did Christianity come to the United States. This is not in Acts, but it kind of bothered me a little bit after reading, and you understand what Peter did and what Paul did, and look at America when religion came in what one person did to get prayer kicked out of school in America. How one person is having the opposite effect in this country and what one person can do in this country if they're led by God to go out and spread the word. Now I know in this particular class in this church we have a, a good many people who've been affiliated with missions through JARS and, and through Whitcliffe and that's great because they're now spreading the gospel to areas of the, the world that the gospel has not been spread to before. So I asked the question, and I'm going to quit with this. Uh, how long is it going to take before the gospel is spread to the entire world? We don't know, but there's certainly a job to, to, to still be done as part of it. So Christianity came to the United States. Originally, when, when Christianity came, it was the Church of England and, and the Roman Catholic Church that were pretty well dictated. Uh, the United States, we have the First Amendment to the Constitution, and Congress shall make no law respecting to an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise. Even Paul was given uh, a lot of leeway under Roman law. The Jews didn't allow him under their respected law to go about spreading their religion. Uh, I don't have any farther. I'm letting you out just a few minutes earlier, which I find that students always like. If you enjoy today's lesson, my wife's sitting at the back with a basket. Just drop your money back there as you leave. 